1: Good job. Appreciate it. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I think you have a testimony to give. We have some new members of this church, don't we? Yes, sir. We uh, we got a brand new set of twins at the house. Thank you all for praying. Um, many of you don't know. Most of you do. Our son had to have a little minor surgery, but he's... All good. God pulled through. They came home about three or four days earlier than they were supposed to. Um, So thank you all very much. They'll be here in a few more weeks. You know how mamas and doctors don't like to bring them straight to the church. So (laughs) Uh, Thank you all. Amen. A few weeks ago, I introduced a subject entitled Fear God, Fear Not, and uh, then kind of got sidetracked. By the way, we use that expression, but if the Lord's leading, you're never sidetracked, right? And he has a way of always bringing us back. And so this morning, I want to kind of pick up right where we left off on that subject, Fear God, Fear Not. And I want to begin by asking you a question. Are you living in fear this morning? And if you are, what are you afraid of? The subject of fear is one of the major themes in the Bible. If, if you're not careful, you can read right over it and not even pay any attention to it. But over a hundred times the Bible tells us to fear God. And then, some 80 times, these are direct statements now. You can actually find it in many more verses of Scripture, but 80 times we have the direct statement in the Bible, fear not. So we're told to fear God, and then we're told to fear not. The Bible makes it clear that we are to fear and reverence and honor, and worship, and tremble before a holy God. And then at the same time, it tells us that we are not to live in fear at all. Now, I want to share just a few scriptures with you, and then we'll we'll talk about it. But as you already know, I mean, I've made reference to 180 scriptures. That deal with this subject. We'll just look at maybe seventy five. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> just just a few. Uh, Jeremiah five twenty two. God says, Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? Now, if you were to look that up and read it in context, you'd find out that God is saying to them, I am the Creator of the universe. I made it all. I made you. You belong to Me. And now you're going to treat Me like something casual? You're just going to treat Me like another one of your buddies? No. No. Should you not fear Me? Should you not tremble in My presence? And then Psalm 34.4 says, I sought the Lord... And he heard me, these are the words of King David now, and delivered me from all my fears. So on one hand we're saying, shouldn't we fear God? That's what God is saying to us. On the other hand, David is saying, I saw the Lord and He delivered me from all my fears. And what's amazing about the Psalm 34, 4 verse, is just five verses later, David says in Psalm 34, 9, O fear the Lord, you His saints... There is no want to those who fear Him. David says, I sought the Lord, He took away all my fear. And then he turned around and he said, I want everybody to join me because we're going to fear the Lord together. And then in Isaiah 8.13, it says, The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hallow. Let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. I, I know we serve a loving God. I know we serve a merciful God, a gracious God, a kind uh, God who has, who has gone to extremes to redeem us and save us. But that does not change the fact that when we come before a holy God, there should be a deep sense of reverence. He's a holy God. One passage of Scripture, and I honestly do not believe it's talking about those who have put their faith in Christ like we have, but there's one passage in Scripture that says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. You don't want to do that. And and so, if you just keep marching through the Scriptures, for instance, Hebrews thirteen five through 6 says, For He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my Helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? So the Bible says that because we know God, because we worship God, because we humble ourselves before Him, because we reverence Him, and we have a holy, sacred fear of God, that we don't have to fear anything else. And yet, Jesus turns around and says in Matthew ten twenty-eight, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He's talking about God. So Ian Jesus said, Don't fear anything in this world, but fear God. Fear the one who can destroy soul and body in hell. Now, here's the way it works it's real simple. And that is that when we reverence Him, when we humble ourselves down before a holy God, when when we tremble in His holy presence, when, when we get out of this thing, you know, he's my co pilot, he's my best buddy. And by the way, I have to tell you, every time I hear somebody say the big guy upstairs or my buddy, I, 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 I want to just back up just in case lightning strikes. <laughs> There's something so sacrilegious about that. It just tears me up inside. So, Here's the way it works. When we humble ourselves before Him, when we honor Him, when we reverence Him, when we give Him that place that He deserves as a God holy, high and lifted up above everything in this world, when we approach Him and that kind of holy reverence and fear, He reaches down and He begins the process of removing all other fears from us. That when you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else that you can walk as a Christian, as a child of God, you can walk every day of your life without any fear in this world because you have fear and reverence for the God who saved you, the God who touched you. And by the way, many of these invitations to uh, to fear God are not made to a lost world. They're made to us as Christians. We're reminded that we need to fear God. God. So here's the way it works. We choose fear in order to lose fear. And if you think that's kind of weird and paradoxical, you're right. But it's not the only place in the Bible we find this kind of stuff. Uh, For instance, if you want to find your life, you have to what? Lose your life. I mean, that's kind of backward. The way up is the way... Down And if you want to be greatest in the kingdom of God, you have to become the least, right? And if you want to have, you have to what? You have to give. You, you know, the, the fact is, the whole world, the whole world system is upside down. And when we get right with God, it goes counter with everything this world has and knows and thinks is right and in order. So, one more time are you living in fear? And if you are, what are you afraid of? I decided that I would look up several articles and see if I could find some list of fears that are supposed to be common among us. And I and I had this idea that I would find maybe 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 or 30 Uh, phobias are fears that are common among all of us. I, I, the short list, the short list that I found had 98 fears that are common among the American people. 98. And listen to this. Do you know what the number one fear of Americans is? You may be surprised. It's not snakes and spiders and creepy crawlers. It's not even death. Do you know what it is? Huh? Did you say your spouse? (laughs) You'll excuse me. But that was a man who said that. And it's been a long time since I preached on men being men and not being henpecked. You and I need to have a counseling session. Okay, all right. We know he's joking, don't we? Yeah. And uh, and we like we like to have fun. You know what the number one fear in America is? Public speaking. Public speaking. The fear of getting up and speaking and front. Of a crowd. Here's one article I read. Public speaking is listed as Americans' number one fear before death at number five and loneliness weighing in at number seven. Guess that means that most of us are less afraid of dying alone than of making fools of ourselves in front of others. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Okay, so let's, I read that. I don't know if it's true or not. So let's just do a little survey. Be honest with you, with me, with you, with everybody around you. How many of you have a fear of public speaking? Hold your hand up. Wow! Wow. okay, now I know this is going to take a little time, but I want everybody who raised their hands to come immediately to the stage. <laughs> and I'm going to put a mic in your hand and give you a couple minutes to speak. Okay, It's intimidating, isn't it? It's unnerving. It's frightening. And and yet the Bible says that there is a place in God where if we fear God, we can lose all other fear. We can lose every fear out there, including the fear of public speaking. And I want to tell you, when it comes to public speaking, I've made just about every mistake that can possibly be made. And Casey... Where's Casey? Wave at me. They keep coming back. People keep, even when we make mistakes, it doesn't matter. And by the way, you are an excellent singer and you're an excellent speaker and you communicate beautifully. I've made all the mistakes. I got up one time right here in this area. I was preaching a revival. I got up one time and preached an entire sermon and I forgot to read my text. I, I didn't read. I didn't read the text. They kept waiting. When's he going to read his text? When's he going to read his text? And finally, somebody said, "Well, I thought this is going to be weird. He's going to read his text at the end of the message. I thought I'd already read my text." One guy later on came up to me and he said, "Guess what? You actually did preach on the Bible. I found a passage of scripture that will match up with what you preached." <laughs> I was so embarrassed. And, and and then on one occasion, I decided to use a. a a historical character, a very famous historical character that did some great things. And it was someone that all of our high school students knew very well. And yet I'm I, I used the name probably fifteen times in my message, but I mispronounced it and they were just giggling and laughing at me. And you know, and I thought they were being disrespectful and uh uh but they were they were listening is what they were doing, but they knew they knew I had it Out of order. And I can't tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times I've called somebody by the wrong name. Do do you understand something, church? And if you can understand this about me, then you can understand it about you. We're raw. We're live. This is real. We're just walking it out and we're talking it out. This isn't like Hollywood. We don't get 14 takes. You don't get to look at the bloopers after the sermon is over. You hear them during the sermon. We are flawed. We make mistakes. But I can tell you, God does not want us to fear speaking or anything else. I I guess one of the worst things that I ever did from the pulpit was I got up one time and I used an expression, and it was vulgar. It, it, it was a reference to something sexual. And I didn't have a clue. I have people say, oh, Pastor, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, what's wrong with that? I didn't know. I, I, l- listen, For, I'm not going to have you show of hands, but all you old folks in the house, you really need to listen to me right here. Words sometimes get changed. What they meant 40 years ago is not what they mean today. And you can embarrass yourself. Trust me, I'm an, I did it! Years ago, my wife and I were, went to visit a godly man and woman. I'll tell you, two of the most godly people I've ever known in my life. This was probably, whoo, 40 years ago. They were in their 80s at the time. We were sitting with them at the table. We were eating, and this godly woman I, I, I'm just they were just saints of God. If I call the name you'd know, many of you would. And this godly woman sits across the table and she said, "Henry, I need to tell you something." I said, "What is it?" And she said, I, I used a word the other day, and somebody corrected me. And I said, well, what was it? And she said, I used the word gay. And they told me I shouldn't be using that word gay. And I should never refer to somebody as being gay. And she said, I just want to tell you that I was confused. And it took me a while, because she said when I was growing up if someone was gay, that meant they were happy. They were excited. They were full of life. She said, she's telling me now, it doesn't mean that anymore. (laughs) She said it means something else. And then she told me what it meant. I'll spare you the details. And if I'm standing before you, when she finished, she said, isn't that just the queerest thing you've ever heard of in your whole life? (laughs) I said, yes, ma'am, pretty much so. (laughs) Yes, it is. I didn't want to tell her, you need to check that word out also. But, but what I'm trying to tell you is, yes, okay, so there is a little bit of fear and anxiety and intimidation in speaking before people. And maybe you might say the wrong word. Or maybe you might have egg on your face. Or maybe you'll say something that uh, that puts you in a bad light. But here's what I want to know. Do you want God to use you? Do you want Him to speak through you? to communicate with other people and to help them, then you have to get so close to God that you lose the fear of your own reputation and what people might think of you. I've, I, Nate, I've done it all from the pulpit. And I'm not proud of it, but I tell you what, I don't worry about it anymore. I figured I've already made the worst mistakes I'm ever going to make. I hope. <laughs> I hope. I, I, was, I was preaching one time, Uh, This was years ago. I was preaching, and I was going to quote a verse from the book of Acts. And I started trying to quote it, and I messed it up. And I said, hold on just a second, I can get this right. And I tried to quote it again, and it was worse. And then I said this, don't ever do this. I said, the one thing I can do is quote Scripture. I may fail at everything else, but I can quote Scripture. Don't do that. I said, I'm going to quote this Scripture, and the third time I tried to do it. And I was, my face was red. My face is always red. It was redder. And I, I just stopped. And I said, okay. So, that's what I said. I said to the congregation, okay. I have messed it up. I will turn to the book of Acts. And I will read this scripture. And if I am standing before you today, I think God did this to me just to humble me at that time. I couldn't find the book of Acts. I turned. I looked, it wasn't there. I believe God took the book of Acts out of my, my Bible. And then I said, listen, and then I, I, I said, okay, it's Acts, and I don't even remember the verse, and I called out the reference. I said, can somebody please help me? I declare to you there was a retired preacher on the front row, and he said it loud enough. Everybody in the congregation should hear it. He said, no, pastor, nobody can help you now but Jesus. You know what I did? I started crying. I cried. I got, in those days, this pulpit would have been lousy for this, but they had these big old wooden pulpits. You remember? And you can can get lost behind one of those. And I got down in a little huddle behind that pulpit. And I cried and prayed. I got up, pretty much did what you did, Casey, not long ago. I got up and I just said, listen, I've messed this up. I'm, it's terrible. I came down front. Five people walked down the aisle that day and got saved. Five people. So I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to let God use you? No matter what happens. Can you come to a place where you love Him so much, you're so deep in Him, you're trusting Him so much that you want God to use you? And if you, failing and faltering, can touch the heart of somebody, then, then praise God. I, I, fear. The, these, are, these are fears that we live with, but we need to get over these fears. Um. There was a time in my life when I actually thought about giving it up. I don't know that I've ever confessed this from the pulpit, but every preacher here will know what I'm talking about. There was a time when I thought I gotta give this up. I'm just not good at this. I keep I keep messing up. I keep faltering. I'd gone to several conferences, Brother Al, and I'd, I'd, I'd heard these great orators, these great men of God, get up and and I listened to, to them preach and, and the more conferences I went to, the smaller I felt. And I was thinking, God, I'm not like them. I, maybe I've made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should go home and resign. I was sitting in a conference and I was, I was, they were preaching away and I'm just melting. I'm just falling apart. I said, God, I need to hear from you. I don't know how to explain what I'm about to tell you, but the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, turn to Isaiah, the 50th chapter, verse 4. I'm serious, that's what I heard. I had no idea what Isaiah 54 Said, Turn to Isaiah, the 50th chapter, verse 4. I turned over immediately and I started reading Isaiah 54. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to Him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. And right at that moment I said, God... I know I'm not like them. I know I'm not this great preacher. But God, whatever I am, I want You to use me and I won't ever quit preaching Your Word. I won't ever quit speaking up because i got to tell you, I can give you 15 or 20 times and the list is longer than what I've shared with you when I've embarrassed myself from the pulpit. But I can give you hundreds of times when God dropped a word in my spirit and spoke to me and spoke through me and it changed somebody's life. It turned them around and it brought glory to God. <laughs> I want to I ask you, this scripture that I just read, Why don't you claim it for yourself? Why don't you claim it for yourself? By the way, do you know who the Bible is talking about when it says the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned? Do you know what it's talking about? Go back and read it in context. It's talking about Jesus. It's messianic. It's a Scripture that points to the coming of the Messiah and who He would be and how God would deal with Him. Does Christ live in your heart? You can claim the Scripture because He lives in you. Well, can you imagine? I'm just, I want to stretch you just a little bit. Can you imagine never ever having to worry about tomorrow? About what tomorrow brings? Why? The Scripture is Matthew 6.34. We won't pull it up, but you can write it down. It's a direct quote. Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Why don't... Why don't we have to worry about tomorrow? Because we serve the one who holds tomorrow, right? Tomorrow is in His hands. And He tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. Can you imagine living your life with no fear when it comes to your finances? Boy, the devil is always trying to intimidate us when it comes to our our finances. Can Can you imagine living with no fear of finances? I, I, the, almost every fear you can come up with, there's a, a Scripture that counters it. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 26, I think it is, Jesus said He feeds the little birds. How much more important are you than those little birds? And the, one of my favorite out of the Old Testament comes from Psalm 50, verse 10, when the Israelites forgot who God was and how powerful He was. And and that He was the God of the universe. And God reminds him. you know what He says? He says, I own the cattle of a thousand hills. Our Father is rich in silver and gold and land and cattle. All the riches of the world belong to Him. And you are His child. And there is a deep place of trust and faith in Him that you can get to by grace through faith the Holy Spirit leading you where every fear can be removed. One of my old stories, favorite old stories that I used to tell was there was a godly woman who survived the Holocaust and God used her as a mighty woman of God. You may have heard or read some of the books of Corey Tin Boone. But they did a movie on Corrie ten Boone's life and uh, she was... She was the, the star. I, I don't think she actually played in it, somebody else, but it was about her life. And one day, the guy that was producing the movie called her and he said, uh, I've got some sad news for you. The funds have run out. We don't have any more money. We can't finish making the movie. And this woman of God says, We're not, we haven't run out of money. We've got plenty of money. He said, Well, I wish you'd tell me where it is. And she said, Well, let me explain it this way. My father owns the cattle of A Thousand Hills. And if he has to, he'll just sell some of those cows and finance the completion of this movie. You may think I'm making this up, but it actually happened. A Texas cattleman heard about it, sold one of his herds, took all the money sent it to the production of the movie, and they finished the movie, The Hiding Place. Hey, what, what got her to that point? There's a deep place in God. There's a place beyond the fears of this world. There's a place of shelter. There's a place of trust where God can be trusted. And the list goes on and on. I've got too many to share all of them with you. But you can lose fear. How about this one? This one's important. Lose fear of all the strongholds. I I doubt very seriously there's anybody here today that the enemy has overlooked. You just have no problems. You don't have any strongholds. You don't have any temptations. I doubt there's anybody here that fits that description. But I want to tell you, you can live without fear of the strongholds which have plagued you your whole life. I'm talking about things like eating, uh, overeating, tobacco, alcohol, cigarettes. I'm thinking, help me out, come on, depression, pornography, why? Gambling. I'm a golfer. That then, golfers have to. If we keep it under $2, is that okay? She's right. Strongholds. Strongholds. Do you understand that there's a place in Him? There's a place in him where you can step into that place and those things that you've been battling with your whole life all of a sudden through courage through faith through the anointing of the Lord through the power of the most high God you have the power according to 2 Corinthians 10:3 through 5 to bring those strongholds down to break them once and for all and get them out of your life How about your children? You ever worry about your children? Do you live in fear when it comes to your children? Isaiah fifty-four thirteen says, "All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children." Wow! Great shall be the peace of your children. A godly woman many years ago, when my children were small, uh, told my wife and me, "Said this verse: God, God's going to teach your children." and He's going to give them great peace. Now, now so is that verse just for me? I, I want you to come to the point where you read the Word of God, and when you run across something like that, you mark it, and you say, you know what, God said it, and I'm going to claim it for myself. I'm going to believe God for that verse, that He'll be with my children, that He'll teach them. To, to You, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I was thinking about, rather than worry about your children, maybe we should worry about getting close to God, knowing that when we get close to Him, He'll take care of our children. I'll give you a few more. No fear of the next doctor's appointment. No fear of cancer. I, not, I say not long ago, maybe about a year and a half ago, I was in my doctor's office and they checked my blood pressure and they said, <laughs> true conversation, they said, your blood pressure is high. I said, no, my blood pressure is not high. I said, I check it every day, my blood pressure is not high. They said, your blood pressure is high. And I said, my blood pressure is not high anywhere in the world except right here. <laughs> and this nurse said, why do you think your blood pressure is high here? I said, because you don't ever tell me anything good. Every time I turn around, you're saying something bad. Can you imagine living in a place where you have no fear of the next doctor's appointment, no fear of cancer, and I've been told that twice. I, I, I have to tell you, I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, when they told me I had cancer, I said, Lord, am I going to die? True conversation. I'm driving home. I said, Lord, I had this heaven. I said, Lord, am I going to die? And, and, and I I don't know. I, I want to say it was an audible voice, but I don't think it was. But I heard it loud and clear. And the Lord said to me, Of course you're going to die. Haven't you been reading your Bible? <laughs> it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Don't worry about when you die, worry about if you're going to live today. And, and, and you don't even have to worry about that. But just, just, just think about this you and I, we worship the great physician. We worship the one who forgives all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. That's what the scripture says. Is it just hyperbole? Is it just exaggeration? Is it just poetic language? Or is this stuff actually true? Does he heal all of our diseases? Yes. You say, well, Pastor, I know, I've known some great saints of God that God didn't heal. Yes, He did. Yes, He did. You see, God's got two healing programs. One is, He raises you up off the bed of affliction and strengthens you physically so that you have an extension of days, but that's a temporary healing. But He's got another healing program. It's where He sends the angels of glory. To take my child home. To take his child home to be with him. That's a permanent healing. That's an eternal healing. He heals all of our diseases. I don't care what's wrong with you today. If you love Jesus, healing is in your future. Amen. No fear of being alone. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's a friend that's six closer than a brother. I've already read that verse. No fear of death or dying. One more time, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We use that verse all the time, but think about it. I will fear no evil. No fear of defeat. I want to read this one to you. I think we have it. Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Say it with me. Your Savior. That's what He is. We we don't have to fear defeat. Uh, One more. Failure. Defeat and failure are real close, but I want to we don't have to fear failure, Jude: 124. Now to him who is able to keep you from... Do you believe it? I tell you, this time I say it like we mean it. Not to him who's able to keep you from stumbling. He can keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I want to give you one more scripture, and then we'll close. It's first John four eighteen. It says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. The love of Jesus, the love of God, that's the perfect love it's talking about. Because fear involves what? It involves torment. You see, if we're living in fear on any level. On any level. And I'm not trying to sound holier than thou or like I've figured this all out. I battle it just like you do. But I want to tell you, more and more I'm running to that secret place. More and more I'm running to that deep place in God. And and even the other day, the enemy put something on me that was just a heavy sense of worry and fear and doubt. And I made up my mind right then I'd run. And as soon as I get into the presence of the Lord, it's gone. But here's what it says. It says, because fear involves torment. The enemy wants to torment you with fear. He wants to destroy you with fear. He wants to tell you, you can't, you're not good enough, you're not able, things are going to go wrong, they're going to spin out of control. Because as long as the enemy can keep you focused on those things, he knows he has his eye, your eyes off God. That's what he knows. And then listen to this. We'll close with this. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Friends, I want to tell you today, if you're still living in fear, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that you're not born again. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. But I'm saying that if you are living in fear, then there is a perfect love you have not yet experienced. And, and, and it, again, it's not about salvation. This is about, listen, this is about going all the way with your God to a place where there is no fear. If we are to interpret the Bible literally, if we're to believe what it says, then there is a place where there is no Fear. And we reach that place by choosing to fear God. This is about going all the way with your God to a place where there is no fear. You know, there are times I've really battled coming into this Sunday because I think the enemy didn't want me to preach this message. But oh, I can tell you what a wonderful day of liberation and freedom it will be for you and for this church for you to say, you know what? I've I've been worrying about this. I've had this fear. I've had this fear. And it's crippling. It's torment. It's stifling. It hinders the work of God to say I'm walking out of it today. I choose the fear of God because I refuse to live in the fear of this world.
0: Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.